Stefan and Matt. We're an interracial couple with two kids wanting to do something that highlights the power of friendship and what it means to be in the company of true friends. We're going to move our society away and out of the loneliness epidemic and into a friendlier, happier world. Welcome to our friendly world. Better, stronger, together. Awkward. 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 <laughs> Awkward. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. Hello, everyone around the world, our beautiful friends. We're talking about awkward today. Looking at awkward, Old Norse, it means turn the wrong way. Middle English means backwards, perverse, clumsy. Perverse? Yeah, so you add the Old Norse with the English to the Middle English, and you have awkward, meaning the wrong way, round the wrong way round, upside down. And so let's look at the suffix ward, W-A-R-D. The English suffix denoting spatial or temporal direction as specified by the initial element. So the elements like toward, seaward. Seaward, yes. Afterward, backward. So again, the definition of awkward in the wrong direction, turn the wrong way. In the 1530s, that's when it started to mean the wrong way. Here are some definitions. Perverse. The archaic means unfavorable, adverse, adverse. How, how do you say that? Adverse or adverse? adverse? I think there are two different meanings. Lacking dexterity or skill, as in the use of the hands. Lacking social grace and assurance. For example, there's a newcomer, right? They don't know... They don't know your mores, your social mores. Right. And that's where I want to talk about it because that's usually me. Mm -hmm. Lacking ease or grace as a moment or expression. Lacking the right proportions, size, or harmony of parts. Not easy to handle or deal with. Requiring great skill, ingenuity, or care. And then looking in the definition of ward, W-A-R-D, because we were fighting about this. I'm like, I don't think it means what you think it means. And we were actually looking at the noun definition and the verb. So the noun and the verb. The noun ward is a separate room in an institution like a hospital or a jail or something. Or an administrative division of a city or borough. So it's like classifying, classification. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, spatial kind of designations i guess you would call it and then the verb of ward is what you were saying is to guard to protect that's the archaic definition now here's a definition i had never heard of before so another verb for ward is admit to or care for much like batman and robin the character of robin in the real world was actually bruce wayne's ward I want to describe to you the awkward friend being me. I have most of the time been the awkward friend because I'm looking at it. So it means turn the wrong way, right? Right. It means backwards. Now, I have not been perverse. Sometimes. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure if we take a look at perverse, we get to a, a very weird place, but certainly the 
commonly accepted definition now is ooh hectic right but certainly clumsy backwards uh you know what were the other ones that well, oh my goodness. Ra- raise your hand if you've never been, quote unquote, awkward anywhere. But, oh my goodness. Okay, brace, brace yourself, Matt, because I'm going to get into racial aspects here. <gasps> Cultural, Ruh-roh. racial issues, all right? So, guards up. Um, not that you need your guard up, but like we always tend to get into a little tiff about this kind of stuff. And I tend, you say I tend to take everything to race, race issues. But Anyways. Once again, hello, look at me. You know, you're beautiful. I know I'm beautiful, but I'm saying <laughs> I'm not that white Anglo-Saxon person. <clears throat> so anyway, lacking the social grace, for instance. Right. <laughs> I remember. Oh, my God. I used to love ballet when I was a kid. Loved it. Oh, my God. And somehow we went to this dance studio. My best friend back then, it was like third grade. My best friend back then and I were like, yeah, we're going to be great dancers. And we found this by accident, just walking around this dance studio in Santa Monica. Right. And the teacher was so sweet. I'm sure she saw these two cute little girls. And we were like, we want to be ballet dancers. And she's like, come on in. She offered us three free classes. We sweet. were so excited. And all we knew of ballet was being on your tiptoes not like tippy toes but like on the tips of your toes right like points Mm -hmm. we didn't realize that that's like a highly advanced state of ballet and here we are we got our little soft ballet shoes and everything and our tights and everything we went in we showed up and we immediately got up on our tips we thought that's how it went right oh my god was it painful but we were like whatever man we're gonna do it yeah the teacher didn't really say anything at first (laughs) She should have said, She was probably Whoa. laughing or I don't know. And I, of course, have always loved the French language. One, probably because it's considered so chic, but also because Farsi and French sound similar and we use similar words. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel so awkward about speaking Farsi. Do you know what I mean? I like, completely understand. The French culture made me accept my own culture better. Right. In a In a world where... It was not accepted, Mm -hmm. you know, in a world where we were looked at as evil because we were Middle Eastern or something. Yeah, I completely get it. And don't forget, in the second Matrix movie, the Merovingian says that speaking French is like wiping your butt with silk or something. Like it's it's super smooth. Oh, my God. That's horrible. (gasps) No, he meant it's super smooth and it's a cool thing to do. Sorry, I totally cut your key there. Sorry, France. No, I'm just thinking about France, like our biggest... Aside from the United States, our biggest fan. I, I did not mean that as a mean thing. Now I forgot what I was saying. Okay, so the French. And also because French was involved in ballet, we were like exceptionally like even more into it, right? And we were leaping and we, we just, we thought we were the best, right? And then when it came down to the fourth class, my mother pulled me out. We didn't have money for it. And I was so sad. But I felt like I had talent there. So years later, I'm in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear! And I saw they offered ballet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, well, I have already taken ballet. There you go. <laughs> Three classes. You might as well have said I mastered it. <laughs> I did. I felt like I was a master. And so I take ballet too. 
I'm like ballet one. No, that's no, for that's for that. rookies. Been there. <laughs> Matt, I go in, and the teacher comes in, and everybody lines up like it's the military. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, what's going on? Why are they so serious? <laughs> and so I go to the bar. <laughs> I put my hand on the bar. I'm ready to go. Right. Absolutely. I'm, <laughs> I, I totally see you. Yes. And I'm like, now I know better. I know, you know, not to get on my tip, tippy tips, you know? There you go. And so the music starts and the teacher starts barking her orders, like literally barking her right, orders. Right, of course. And I tried so hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. It was like a Lucille Ball episode. Mm-hmm. I've had twice in my life, two different things in my life where I've been a total Lucille Ball you know, like it was purely comical. <sighs> After I think maybe 20 minutes, she stopped the whole thing, <laughs> came to me. You. She didn't even talk to me. She came to me, grabbed my arm and escorted me out of the class and pointed me out. Like she kicked me out. Nice. Because I, I was always like 15 steps behind everybody. Else. Right. Of course. I could see that. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course whatever so awkward <laughs> i mean you want to talk about people who are like in some supreme control of their body with the peculiarities of dance and god knows what muscles they have yeah absolutely that's ballet well i felt that on the inside i just needed some time to catch up but that's what ballet wants for thanks okay all right jeesh so anyway that was one time. That's one example of me being the awkward friend. I have many examples. But I want to say, looking back at the, the for example, the Norse meaning, turn the wrong way, and all the other meanings, you know, backwards, clumsy, awkward meaning, I don't know, what were the, the other ones? Lacking, I don't know. Lacking se- dexterity. Seeming unfavorable, like really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Seeming unfavorable, adverse, lacking social grace and assurance, you know, causing embarrassment either to someone or to yourself, right? Or feeling that way or feeling like you're just in an embarrassing situation. Right. Lacking ease is another one that pops out if you're not Anglo-Saxon in an, an American society or some other European societies. For me, I'm just saying. I completely right? get it. Um, you know, not easy to handle. God, how many times have I heard people? We don't know. We don't know what to do with you, Fawn. We don't know how to handle you, Fawn. Like, (laughs) you know, here I am like totally with an open heart and loving people and they get offended by my mere presence. I never understood it until I had to take a look at really where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to say this folks, but it comes from it's a racial thing i'm sorry like what else can it be because i act the same way as a white anglo-saxon person next to me in a yoga class i you know they joke they say foul things i don't even do that there and then yet i'm targeted if i if i raise my hand to ask a question you know which is a question relating to the topic it's not like i'm asking anything off the wall but it's like whatever i do whatever movements I make is considered awkward. But I, I challenge the thinking that what if, let's just use examples of yoga, for example, right? Yoga in a, in a, what's the term again? White Anglo-Saxon. Okay. 
culture. Mm-hmm. All right. I step into a white Anglo-Saxon American culture yoga class. Right. I'm awkward. And I'm like, really? And here I am actually sitting there going, I'm awkward because you all seem to think these things, these meridian points that are chakras are chakras where in Sanskrit chakra means cucumber. Mm -hmm. So here you are taking, you know, major conversations about your cucumbers not being open or your first cucumber, your second cucumber, third cucumber. Oh, your crown cucumber. You know, it's chakra people. Chakra. Chakra. Chakra means cucumber. So here I am sitting there and they think I'm awkward. They think I don't belong. I'm like, fool, look at you. Listen to you. (laughs) But you're attempting to uh, ascribe an absolute to a relative. What do you mean? Well, social mores are typically a relative thing. That's what I'm saying. As opposed to an absolute. Absolutely. If you look at Sanskrit, chakra means whatever chakra means. And chakra means cucumber. Cucumber. But in the context of the conversation that's being had at the table, chakra means I don't care. If you're going to appropriate this culture and then shut me out of it where it's really my culture Mm -hmm. and shut me out of it and start cucumbering me out. And that's not wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. You're awkward. But what, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not, what did you say? It's not an absolute, right? Right. It's purely well, relative. Well, what I was going to say was, if you all, not you all, I'm sorry, but like if the Anglo-Saxon community goes into a, a true yoga class in India, you would be awkward. So it, it really depends where you are what time period you're in or, you know, it depends. Right. Absolutely. Being awkward can flip like flipping a dime. Right. Is what I was trying to say. But actually you, I liked your words better. What did you say again? Relativism versus absolutes. Yeah. Explain more. (laughs) Well, absolutes, you know, there are absolutes. There's absolute truths. There's absolute, you know, rules. There are absolute that just exist. And then there's relative, and the relative is all about the context you're in. For example, when I, when I were a lad, one Thanksgiving I got invited to two Thanksgivings, and I pigged out at both. But the first Thanksgiving I went to was at my buddy Dale's house. Now, Dale was awkward. He was. And we were friends and the whole thing. What bit. was awkward about him? Um, well, for starters, you know, I was like... 10 or 11 and he was two years older than me and we got along like peas and carrots because he was ostracized at his school for being weird for what, being awkward for so being what was magical about him well he just had a good time he loved playing video games um and he had a system i didn't have and then he got super into anime before anime was hip because it's hip now but this is before this is in the before times and so we'd watch anime and we'd play video games at his house. He played video games at my house. And we got along really great. And he was as white as you can be. But anyways, whole other story. But I went to his house. We had Thanksgiving. And working class versus I grew up in a middle to upper middle class, which is what everybody says. But honestly, I believe that's where we were. We could have been lower up or who knows. But anyways, but his dad and his mom, very much working class. His mom worked at Sears. His dad owned a uh, appliance repair business, very, and and that sticks you right in working class. And they had a nice house and everything else. And but anyways, 
But what was interesting was they had corn on the cob for Thanksgiving, which, you know, rock on, no problem. But unlike my family, where we would pull the, the butter out of the fridge and we would have our little corn cobby things, you know, the little nubs you put on the end and you roll it over it and, you know, you melt, slowly melt this really cold butter, they left their butter out. They also buttered a piece of bread and they, they, they wrapped the, uh, and they uh, buttered their corn that way. But it was rancid because that's what happens when you leave stuff out. But that was the rule of the house. Was it really rancid? Did you taste it? Well, can you tell if something is rancid? Yes. Can you tell if milk has gone bad? Um, you can tell if milk has gone bad. People can't determine when a Twinkie has gone bad because supposedly a Twinkie goes bad after two weeks. Well, I'm sorry, and but... And people say Twinkies will be good for 20 years. I've Because they're rancid. I don't, and people are used to rancid. I don't eat that. Well, so. and there you go. But that's a whole other story. But yes, it must have been because it was always out. I never noticed it before that dinner because I never really ate there. But I noticed it then. And I noticed that, you know, it was it was an unusual thing. And I could have said, oh, my God, how can you, what is this, what is going on, and all the rest of it. But instead, I just adapted to it. And I said, well, this, these are the rules of the house. So again, relativism versus absolutism. I remember inviting a friend over to our house when I was little in the United States. And uh, we, you know, Persian cuisine always has rice. And so uh, we used to eat. Well, it's changed now, and I think because of the experience I had, I think many other Persian people had, but you ate rice with a spoon, and you take the fork, and you push the rice on the spoon, and you eat rice with a spoon, usually because it comes with not necessarily soup, it's not, it's not, but it, you know what I mean? Like, Persian dishes come with a stew-type thing, and lots of rice or like a protein on top of rice right but either way you eat with a, a spoon mm-hmm. and it was after school little kids right or little kids it was after school and after school you're like so hungry right right and so i'm like come on let's eat she's like yeah i'm so hungry so we go to the table my mother serves the food and i immediately start eating and i noticed my friend was just staring and gawking at me <laughs> So awkward. <laughs> I felt so awkward and ashamed. In your own house? Of course. Because, again, it's the race issue. It's the culture issue. Where even though she was so hungry, and obviously she'd seen rice before, but it was all so awkward for her, meaning I was awkward, not she was awkward. Or I felt awkward. But she's like, what are you doing? Dang. Why are you using? Why are you eating rice like that? And to this day, I swear to you, every time a utensil touches rice, I think of that. You know, awkward, but it's like, I don't know what I'm trying to say right here. It's just, it can bring back some really painful memories. But again, it depends where you stand. Like, for example, can we think of anyone in history that was so awkward, but now is considered hip? You know, like... Like you were talking about your friend Dale, and he seemed like he was like ahead of the curve on anime and computer games and all this, right? Well, he was ahead on anime for sure. And those people now are the money makers. Right. They're the they're the geniuses, like the Bill Gates and right. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But like, who's that guy? The man? He was a coder that 
you talk about what was his name from England and he helped with World War Two. Like he actually saved Turing because he was gay. Like talk about awkward, right? Right. They destroyed this man. Well, chemical castration. Yeah. And then he committed suicide. They destroyed him. Yes. Awkward. Yes. For being awkward. Yes. And now he wouldn't be awkward. Well, he was on a he was on the he was on a pound coin. He was, you know, later knighted by the queen. A little too late, folks. Well, that's definitely true. And we Every still we, we still remember him. him. You, your eyes get all weepy. He was a flipping genius. I know. He I was just, probably three geniuses. I just appreciate your compassion for people, but you know, I can see and, you're emotional right and now. And one of one of my things has always been, you know, he postulated this Turing machine. And I remember in college learning about the Turing machine and blah, 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 blah. And I came to the conclusion that God is a Turing machine on some level because there's infinites running around this thing like crazy. But uh, I don't know how I feel about it necessarily today. But when I came to that revelation and then I found out later all this other stuff about uh, Turing. um, Yeah. Yeah. It did not make me feel good because I had already elevated him, you know, in the before time, before I knew anything else about him, he was already elevated strictly on, you know, the merits of, of the computer stuff. And you don't come down once you're elevated. Mm. I'm sorry, honey. Yeah, it is what it is. I feel bad for bringing things up like that. No, I, it's fine. You, it really affects you. Um, so who else? Anybody else in history that was so awkward that is now considered, you know. Well, Tesla. Tesla was oh awkward. my god but he people still don't know about tesla people think edison is the hero people, most people still don't understand who tesla was except for the car they think that's tesla <laughs> yeah but exactly you guys nikola tesla read read about him because if you're interested in anything if you're interested in science if you're interested in yoga study tesla all my yoga classes when I was teaching yoga were based on my buddy Tesla. <laughs> and and I'm sure there's like thousands, millions of others who just managed to hide. Mm-hmm. Hide yeah. in plain sight on yeah, some level. To save their lives. Like otherwise you would have been a Turin. Turing? Yes. How well, do you, yeah. How do you how do you spell his name? Turing, T U R I N G. His first name I believe was Alan. But like think about it the other way. People that were revered are now seen as totally awkward as well. They should. For example, Columbus, Christopher Columbus. Right. Right. Destroyed, murdered, was an idiot. Truth. Right? Truth. But I don't know. Uh, so it's uh, it's all relative. Can yes. I say that? Yes. And then there are those awkward people who've gone on to make history, as it were, like the original Buddha. Prince Gautama. I mean, he was born a prince. And he said, nuts to this. Explain, explain, I don't know who that is. The Buddha, the man who invented Buddhism. Siddhartha? Yes, okay. Prince Siddhartha. Got it. He was a prince. What did you call him, though? Gautama. Gautama? Gautama. Gautama. I'm probably butchering it. Sorry to all our Buddhist fans. Oh, Lord. Fans. I have to figure out how to spell <laughs> this for our transcripts. I don't know how to spell that. <laughs> Anyways, no, he was born a prince. And his parents kept him away from everything that was bad they locked him away and when he finally saw an old person and a sick person he understood that life was not pleasure was all pleasure life was suffering 
And then he left and became a beggar and became enlightened and all the rest of it. But, you know, to do that, you know, are you mental? Are you stupid? Are you, or are you a Buddha? You know, so it, it cuts all ways and yeah, it's a delicate, weird thing. And, you know, the people, I, I would honestly say the people who make history are generally awkward. True. Because they're seeing the world from a different perspective. And sometimes, and I probably hesitate to say, I, I'd probably say most of the time the world doesn't figure out what they're seeing and what is there. Yeah, they don't recognize the beauty and the genius of it. But it, it's the people who look at something like MySpace and say, we could do better. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who make history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the people who go along with the crowd. So you're saying awkward is good. I'm saying that's aw- what I'm saying. I'm saying awkward is awkward. Yeah, it depends. Again, it depends which side of the coin you're on, right? Yes, it does very much. Wow. But then again, I, I, I I've always been awkward. And one of the first moments where I really understood that I was awkward, because I was just living my life. Who cares? In second grade, um, yeah, my teacher had this bold plan, contacted a second grade teacher from another school, and we became pen pals with their class. And I guess the numbers basically matched out because they matched kind of boys with boys, girls with girls. Life was simple, right? So I was all excited. I wrote my little letter. I didn't know who I was going to get paired up with. So, you know, you just kind of write about who you are. And Teachers probably read all these letters and they figured out how to match people up based upon what they said, right? I was matched up with someone I had nothing in common with. And I don't know why we got matched up. I get the feeling I was just late to the party or I just wasn't an easy match and neither was this other person. We were both awkward. (laughs) Well, you had that in common. (laughs) But that's where I started to understand maybe that I saw the world a little differently. Right. Isn't that interesting? We we do realize that early on, right? Well, I, because I had we're, to be we're totally in, told because I was very. You were told. <laughs> well, no. When I read this, when I read this note, and this this yeah. kid is talking about nunchucks, and and I was like, I don't know anything about nunchucks. I didn't write about nunchucks and martial arts and whatever else he wrote about. I really remember the nunchucks because that was the first time I think I might have come in contact with that word. For goodness' sake. So there's something good to be said about being in a structured society where you're so set apart from one another because that's when you can realize, wow, I have genius with me because I'm not like this. I'm not like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I remember it was, I think it was fourth grade. It was fourth grade and we were given this assignment. The whole class had to follow directions and the teacher said... My wife had to follow directions. I know. This is where it comes from, I think. This is when I first realized it. This is when I realized, awkward. Because, first of all, guys listening, I cannot follow directions. No, she can't. I have to sometimes translate. Matt always has to translate. And the funniest thing is, our our girls have to translate for Well, me. I was about to say, I've been kind of pushed to the side on that, and the girls do it now. I mean, thank God they don't, like... Qu- quite totally think like I do well they don't even god they're like way over there to me it's like <laughs> I'll say it's it's about 10 o'clock and they're like no dad it's nine fifty-seven. Uh, they're just very precise but that's not what I'm talking about they can understand on many levels whereas I'm like what is this what is this 
And what is it telling me? I don't understand it. You have to translate. Like, like a simple recipe. Like we have so many, I've talked about this before, guys, sorry, but you know, we have a huge wall, a huge library in our kitchen of just the most beautiful cookbooks from around the world. Right. And I have a cookbook fetish. I have a book fetish, first of all, but like, I can't get enough of books. And even though we're vegan, I have, I can't get enough cookbooks. I can't. Like, I love them so much, but I cannot follow what they're saying. <laughs> I just do my own thing. I, right. I read cookbooks like people read romance novels, right? I get the feel for it. I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm going to do that. And I do it my own way. You know, I don't follow the directions. But I end up making something that's my own take on it based on the recipe that I'm seeing, but I cannot follow directions. So anyway, going back to following directions, when I first realized how awkward I was with directions, I thought I was fine. And we were doing uh, this art project where we were folding a piece of paper a certain way. Right. And the teacher's like, okay, everybody step by step, everybody look at me and follow directions. And I just told myself, I'm good at following directions. So I'm just going to look down, listen to her, and just fold as she speaks. So I didn't look at her. Right. Oh, my God. (laughs) And it was something simple. It was a really simple thing. I don't remember exactly what it was. But I still remember the shock I felt (laughs) when we were done. Right. Everybody in class had a simple, let's say, square And I had something unrecognizable. And I could swear to you, I followed precisely the directions. Right. I'm sure you did. And so that's me, man. That's total me being awkward. Like I can't, you know, I I just think differently. I I understand things not the way you understand them. Right. And I need help. So now I'm like, guys, this is what I heard. Is this what you heard? Is this how you do it? I don't know. And, and that's just it. I think there are moments in time where we all need help. I remember I had this origami a day calendar. Oh, my God. And they're like, oh, yes, it's very simple. There's a valley fold and a mountain fold. And there you go. Those are the two types of folds. And I was like, cool, let's go. Oh, my Lord. Every day now, was origami, like a new adventure. That's a different animal. Well, no, it's following an instruction. And <laughs> oh, my God, ran into nothing but heaps of trouble every day. But, uh, and, and didn't actually get any better as I did them. It's not like they started with really simple things and moved on. It was like something different every day. And the, some, Matt, some of them were super hard and some of them weren't. You're not going to steal my thunder about following directions. Okay. Origami, origami. There's that. No, you are, you can follow directions. Well, that's why you do well at work. And that's why you, you, you do well. You make me sound like a sheeple. No, you're not. You're a leader, but you can understand what is being said. You understand what is going out in the world. How many times a day do you hear me say, what happened? (laughs) I'm like, what happened? I don't understand. Right. What? What? All day, every day. That's, I I feel, I can hear myself. What? (laughs) What happened? (laughs) And why? What? That's me. But, you know, that's also how we came about the art of friendship because I'm like, what? Are you serious? 
like looking at our society going, are you kidding me? Is this for real? I don't understand. So there you have it. I mean, thank you. (laughs) So I just hope the world catches up with me a little bit with us. Right. 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 Friends out there. I mean, come on. What we're striving for here, saying that the art of friendship is really key to everything, to social, economic, racial divides. Really, if we were all friends, if we were all supporting one another, none of that would be, none none of those things would be a problem. Because when we support each other, awkwardness or not, when we realize our potential, when we realize the geniuses that are amongst us, we are able to really stick together and, and thrive abundantly with money. Like we support each other. Right. So there's no divide there. There's no racial issues because we respect that that genius, that difference, the many sides of wrong way, right way that is in the definition of awkward. And social issues we're able to handle them we're able to fix them we're able to make things beautiful in our society if we can just revel in the awkwardness respect the awkwardness respect the awkwardness and you know always look to and this is going to sound maybe a little bad but always look to the social mores of the situation and then also realize when somebody is quote-unquote awkward don't put your hectic hat on. Put your curious hat on. Right. Like, wow, how interesting. Before you open your mouth and make a weird face and go, what are you doing? Why are you eating like that with a spoon? Do you know what I mean? Right. In your own home, too. Oh I still can't God. believe that. That's just rude. Babe, that happens to us even now. Bad guess. How many times have we had a friend come over and just because they sense something different in cooking, you know, they there's a scent from the kitchen that is not fried chicken or something. They're like, oh, you're making curry? Do you know what I mean? Because they smell something that is not the normal white Anglo-Saxon American cooking. And this is something that, you know, your your humble uh, host had to learn as well. What do you mean? What did you make me for our first dinner? No, I think that 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 was different. No, okay. that was me being that was me being awkward no. and being a bad guest. I think and you being, were hungry. I was being a bad guest. OK, so here's what happened when we were dating. I said, well, let's just stay. Let's go to my studio and like I'll I'll make us something to eat. And back then I was like dirt poor guys, like honestly, like my budget for food overall, that means any food you, I would get from the store or if I would get anything to eat from anywhere overall, my entire budget on a good, in a good, in a good time was $20 a week. All right. That means all the meals, everything, liquid, whatever, anything. And so um, I would have lots of lentils. <laughs> and so I I would make these beautiful lentil soups. Well, I thought they were beautiful. So anyway, I'm like, okay, I'll cook. And so Matt, I think, was feeling all romantic. And he thought, oh my God, she's going to cook for me. I think you maybe, now that I think about it, imagine. Because based on what I said, like, oh, I'll make dinner. I think I said that. Even though it wasn't really dinner time. Whatever. I digress. But I think you imagined... <laughs> 
a candlelit dinner with silverware and tablecloth and like a three-course meal, you know, with a special sexy dessert or something. And then I had you sit in a chair and then I gave you a bowl of lentils and you looked so angry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. You looked so disappointed. Well, here we go. I... Not that I should talk about this on the show, but you I look like a child that was about to have a tantrum. I had a previous girlfriend, and when she made me dinner, it was Hawaiian short ribs, etc., etc., etc. Now, how many how many times do you think I had had lentils when you served me lentils? I don't know. I, I'm I'm Persian. We I have lentils all the time. I counted on no hands the number of times that I had had lentils. That was your first lentil soup. That was the first time I'd ever had lentils. Period. Soup well, or see, otherwise. Now that you're vegan, you understand the beauty of lentils, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And I I didn't think I actually gave anything away. By the way, that's the worst part. No, you you. I'm like I said. <laughs> I thought, oh my god, he's going to pick up the chair. Get on the ground and start stomping like a, a kid does, you know, like a tantrum. Like, eh. I totally was in shock. I'm like, what is your problem? What Not happened? my finest moment, folks. No, well, I felt bad. I'm like, oh my God. What? But you're the host. Host shouldn't feel bad. Welcome to my world. I always feel bad because I'm always like looked at. Do you know what I mean? I'm always perplexed. How can I not feel bad? Right. If I'm always in a. What's the word? Perplexed situation? Perplexed situation? Perplexing situation. Perplexing situation. And because I'm not white Anglo-Saxon, I always feel that way. I feel like everything is my fault because that's what we're told. Well, and you're also an HSP, so. What's that? Highly sensitive person. It's a psychology today term. I found out one of my favorite singers is HSP too. Well, I'm working on that. Well, (laughs) I don't know if you should or shouldn't. You no, know. you should. It can make you sick being highly sensitive. And hello, how many times do I have you heard me say, I can't go out today. I don't want to go out there. I feel raw. Right. I or, can. you know, I'm walking in the grocery store and I can pick up someone else's feeling from an aisle away. Like it's, it's, it's too much, but I'm learning how to protect. I'm learning how to ward that off, if you will. Right. So anyway, that that's that's pretty much what I have to say about awkward. I mean, I can go on all day because I'm probably the most awkward person. Well, maybe not because I'm not like a super, I don't know, techie genius. Well. Or maybe I am. And there you go. But it's, not tech. It's, it's the people who see things a little different. I mean, didn't wasn't that Apple's campaign slogan, think different? They say that, but when you think different, you get ostracized. <laughs> so or let's stop Or you get cool it. hardware. I don't know. Let's just stop it. Stop it. Stop the, uh, what's the word? Ostracization? Ostra to, yeah, never mind. Stop. Stop ostracizing stop people. Cut it out. <laughs> become more accepting, become more curious, and have more fun, frankly. Actually, our friends that are listening are already that way, but I just wish the rest of the world would catch up already. Anything you want to add? I'm good. <sighs> okay. Well, that's it for today. Hold on to your curiosity, folks. Our meanderings. Awkward is good. We're, we're, we're on a roll. We did the weird friend. Now we have the awkward friend. Anyway, we, that's us. And we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us all the love. We appreciate you so much. Tell other people about the podcast. Please tell them to subscribe. Um, and 
that's it. That's it for today. We'll talk to you in a few days. Take care, everybody. Be well. Bye. Oh, Bye-bye. wait, 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 wait. Before we go, we have to explain. I just realized we didn't really explain who Turing was. Can you explain, please, his genius and who he really was? He deserves that. Turing was the man. Let's just stop. Full stop, almost. He was British during World War II. He worked to crack the Enigma Code, which was what the Germans were using to communicate, and he broke it. He was actually the second person to break it. But so he was a coder. He was a computer programmer. He was a, com- he was a computer guy before computers existed. Wow. So hyper-logical, probably. I don't know. But basically, the Poles came by, and they cracked it initially, and then they changed it all up in Germany, and... They couldn't crack it anymore, and then Turing came in, and he cracked it, and he cracked it from 42 to 45, and they read every single message the Germans were sending around. I don't understand what you just said. <laughs> What's 42 to 45? 1942 to 1945. Okay, thank you. So this was World War II, folks. And then after that, he started doing computer work. Uh, artificial intelligence. He created what's called the Turing test, which is the benchmark for determining whether or not how good your artificial intelligence is. And it's basically, where it gets weird is it all sounds so simple now, but he was the guy who came up with it. And the Turing test is, if you're on a microphone with it, can you tell it's not human? In a nutshell, that's the Turing test. He hypothesized the Turing machine, which is the ultimate computer. What did he do for a living? Like, there weren't computers in existence back then, so how... You ended up working kind of for Big Gov. What was his profession? Like, how did he end up coding? He probably was a mechanical engineer, Mm. because literally a big component to the Enigma machine was the actual physical device. And people were just getting into, you know, God, people were just getting into electricity and the things electrical circuits and things could even do when he was in it. He's responsible for saving countless lives during World War II. He saved lives. Well, yeah, because if you decode the message, you know where the Germans are going to be or not be. You're going to know what the Germans right. are interested in or not interested in. So, you know, you prioritize. So tell us more about him, please. What happened? As far as... Okay, so he did this. He did all this cool stuff. He got... He got commended by the crown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they found out, <gasps> and it's tragedy. I, you know, it's, it's, it's even hard to talk about, but they found out he was homosexual. So because he was gay, they destroyed him. They said he's a security risk. Why? They, because he was gay. Yes. Gosh. Because he was awkward, because he was deviant, because he was something that they can't be comfortable designating. God. Yes, and he ended up committing suicide. They, you said they castrated him. They chemi- Yes, I believe they chemically castrated him. You believe, or did they? Well, so they did all this messed up stuff to this beautiful. They human gave being. him hormone therapy. That is a fact. To change him, like to change his sexual orientation, like what? Who did this? The government? Yeah, and this was during a point. The in- same government he saved. Yes. Wow. Yes. And, and that's just it. Um, yeah. Wow. Wow, indeed. So this is why this is so important to recognize what we consider awkward in our society and truly have respect and compassion and understanding and understanding. What was the last thing you said? Instead of judging, ask questions. Be curious. Be curious and loving. Yes. Anything else you want to say about Turing? Turing was the man. There's so few true pioneers and 
maybe they were awkward. I mean, you take a look at the first computer programmer, Ada Lovelace. She was a she was a girl. Awkward, but brilliant. Right. Be curious. Be loving. And we're all awkward. All right. Talk to you guys later. That's Be- it. For real, right? Yes. No more interruptions. No more. All right. Go about your day. Have fun. Be well. Bye, guys. <laughs>